What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner Dream Mason. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm Alex Terranova. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation today. I've been having a lot of conversations uh, with men about the masculine, and I think we're going to have a good conversation about the masculine, the feminine, the dynamics. Um, I think we're going to get to talk about flow and surrender. I think we're going to get to talk about incorporating um, these energetics into our life and how they impact us. And I'm, and I think we're going to like venture into some areas that I'm not even sure where we're going to go. Um, what I want to share with you uh, that fits this episode is I was recently at a retreat and somebody shared, we were talking about masculine and feminine energies. And I had never heard it put this way and I really appreciated it, which was the masculine is the shore and the feminine is the ocean. And I loved that visual. We all know what a beach or a piece of land and water looks like. And when you're walking on the shore, it's usually peaceful and calm and structured and grounded. And it doesn't move, right? It's just there. It doesn't like push back towards the water. It doesn't revert back further away. It just like holds a space and a structure. And then if you look at the ocean, it's powerful and wild and almost chaotic in a way, but it doesn't go beyond the shore, right? It can't go like, I mean, outside of tsunamis and like, and like things like that in a traditional sense, it's like contained inside of something. And both of the structures are exactly perfect as they are. The ocean isn't supposed to be more structured or, or rigid and the land isn't supposed to be more wild or free. They're exactly what they are and they support each other perfectly. And it, it really hit me that it's not, and, and let me say this, it's not the men or the women. We are all masculine. We are all feminine. We all have that inside of us, but that there's sides of us that get to be the shore and there's parts of us that get to be the ocean. And I think what I'm finding in myself is when things are off, one of those sides are out of balance. Either my my shore is trying is chaotic and trying to move and not stable, or my I'm trying to like tame my ocean and not let it be wild and free and chaotic and embrace that. Um, so I'm I'm I, I'm going to leave that with you, uh, and I'm sure we'll dive more into this. And if if you're like, wait, why is he talking about this? Go back and listen to some past episodes. We've been talking a lot about masculine and feminine and, and those types of energies. Let me introduce our guest. So I met our guest, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe like I met her the first time, maybe like, I don't know, 10, eight years ago or something. Um, 
through she's, she's a family friend um i've in a from the per, from the outside really got to watch her and her family and her relationship really bloom and flourish um and in the last few years she has built a pretty incredible business and is just thriving on on just a whole nother level she is a mother, a wife. She's a nurse practitioner. She's a certified uh, certified nurse midwife. She's Yale educated. She's functionally medicine trained. She's the founder of the w Woman's Vibrancy Code. She also is a podcaster. She hosts retreats. Um, she's done keynote speeches. If I mean everything, is there? Am I? I'm like leaving any. There's probably like some five other things. <laughs> she does a lot. Um, I'm so glad to have her on this podcast. She's been bringing, she's 22 years of experience supporting women, um, around deep transformational hormonal health, consistent stamina and passion. She, um, she has led some really powerful retreats and now she's actually embraced what she shared with me just before this. She's starting to work with men, which she's having a lot of fun with. So one of the things I love is it seems like, um, she just continues to expand what she does and what excites her. Mariah Brown, welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. Mm, Thanks for being here. Thanks. So good to be here. Yeah, I was trying to think, when did we first meet? I don't know. It was, I, I, I don't know. I remember my sister, she was like, oh, this Alice guy, you got to meet him. I, I, that's, it's so funny because I always forget that I, that you guys are sisters and that I, that I met. I think I met her before you. I think you um, did. But it would, it had to be, I think it was like around 2014 or 2015. Cause that's when I, my life went in, started going in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And that's when my aunt and uncle, I might've been around you guys. And I think, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I met your sister in like 2015 or 2016. So maybe it was. Yeah, no, that makes sense because we left, we moved, we left Hawaii in 2014 and moved back to Oregon. Okay. And I think we met here. Anyway, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm, I was serious. I'm reading this and all the things that you do. And it's a lot. And you have, I forget, do you have three or four kids? Three. Yeah. Yes. They are 10, nine, and five, all home birth, ecstatic births. And a husband. And, a husband. and you're, I know you're like super involved. You're not like uh, running around, not paying attention to your family. You're like very connected and tied in with them. Definitely. Yeah, we're close. You're doing, you do a ton. You're holding mm -hmm. a lot. And I also do a ton of rest and receiving and boundary setting and receiving help and hiring. You know, it's, it's, there's a balance. Mm. I was saying off camera today, I was like, oh, you caught me at a good time. I just started bleeding today. So I'm going to be super mellow, super likely raw, vulnerable. Today's a, a quiet day for me. I always make sure um, around these few days that my, my schedule is sparse. Will you say a little more about like why, you know, I think like for, for people listening, especially men, uh, mm -hmm. I think when somebody talks about their cycle or bleeding, um, like we as men often relate to it as we're going to get like, we're going to get like energy that's not consistent or maybe in my relationship is often the women I'm around are in some sort of pain. They're not always comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't always, I think like I've been 
pretty like it doesn't I, I usually I feel badly. It's not like it gets on me, but mm-hmm. it's it's like, oh, this like sucks. And the way you showed up with it was so different, which was kind of almost like it's an opportunity yeah. versus something that's kind of like in the way. No, absolutely. I so yes, like your example of the shore and the ocean. Absolutely. Uh, we are, as women, male-bodied, in, female-bodied individuals, we are dynamic, we are cyclic, we are rhythmic, we are ever-changing. I feel like in any 28-day cycle, lunar cycle, menstrual cycle, and this is whether or not a woman is bleeding. Some women don't bleed because they're on contraception or it's irregular or they're beyond menopause, but we still have this very dynamic, rhythmic nature. And in my opinion, I think it's beautiful when we embrace it. And if we are in relationship with male-bodied individuals that don't necessarily relate to that dynamic, rhythmic nature, how cool for you to be able to better understand so that you can kind of preemptively prepare for the next season that we're going into. And so the way that I kind of compartmentalize it is I break it down into four seasons. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm going into my winter time. Uh, winter time is when animals are hibernating. Nature is quiet. Um, it is a time when women are really served by going inside, kind of dimming the external lights, so to speak. And it's when our intuition is the most potent and strong. I think it's when we're the most kind of on the woo-woo scale, like deeply connected, mm-hmm. our roots are connected to the earth or connected to other womb holders in the world, so to speak. And it's a time for us to listen in. Um, and often what happens is when we as women are existing more in that masculine kind of nine to five, expecting ourselves to be the same yeah. each week of an infradian rhythm, meaning a lunar cycle, a 28 day cycle, often that's the women that come and work with me and now their PMS is really extreme and they're irritable and their menstrual cycles are really crampy and they're having a really hard time listening into their decisions and, and, and deciphering what should I do. And so then next week I'll be in my springtime and that's, that's my creative time. That's when hormones are changing and I get to take Whatever, whatever aha moments, when I allow myself to rest this week and be contemplative and listen inside, next week, that's the time where I go out and I brainstorm and I throw out the, the rockets of desire and the possibilities that have showed up in my mind's eye with my coworkers and my employees and my friends. And it's like the time when the, the flowers are budding and women's kind of seductress comes out and hey, 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 ladies, hey, men, you know, it's the time when... Uh, we can, our bodies are much more resilient to big exercise, to push ourselves and lift the weights and do more extended intermittent fasting. And estrogen is, is very proliferative in building. And then when we're ovulating, I think of that as summertime, like all of our hormones are at their peak. It's when women are the most confident, like that's the time if you're going to get a Ted talk or publish a book, like if you can time it to do it when you're ovulating, pow. That's when a woman's um, libido is the strongest. Pheromones are different. The, mm. the, the attraction to a woman who's ovulating is just a totally different experience. And she's super resilient. You could 
say whatever you want to her, it's going to roll off her back for the most part. <laughs> and then we go into our fall time, which is what some people call our PMS time or your a woman's luteal phase, or it's the time when the moon is either waxing or waning, right? So bleeding time and um, ovulatory time is either full moon or new moon, depending on the woman. And so then in fall time, um, that's progesterone dominated. That's a time when a woman, um, her inner critic comes out in a very potent way and it's supposed to. Mm. And um, we want to, we're best served by surrounding ourselves with our close um, inner council, our close inner circle. Like if you think about Thanksgiving, you're not at a block party in your bathing suit inviting everybody over, right? It's Thanksgiving. The leaves are falling. We want to put on some layers, eat some nice warm food. Progesterone hides under cortisol, meaning high stress really does not serve a woman in that week or that chapter of her cycle. And so for you, you're in a relationship with a woman. If you know that she's going into her fall time, then you can together kind of preemptively go, okay, the viper is going to come out a little bit more quickly. Mm. The irritability is going to be there. Maybe it's, she'll have a little bit harder time sleeping. She needs more nourishing. Her foreplay will feel and look very different for a woman in that chapter of her monthly cycle. Um, anyway, I could talk about it forever, but does that answer your question? Yeah. Oh, like way more than I thought it was going to. And it's interesting. I've had a, um, I wrote an article about it. Uh, I think at the end of the year, which about was the four seasons of business. Mm. And it was the idea that it's, unless you're an athlete, there are no seasons of business. Business is 24-7, 365, and especially in a capitalist society. But if we look at athletes, no athlete does their sport 24-7, 365, right? Athletes have a, what I would call like the, 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 the preseason is their spring, right? They're getting ready, they're training, they're getting, they're, they're, they're warming up their bodies, um, the the summer is kind of the season the actual games are being played and the fall is like all the teams that don't make it fall away and then you have the the final the final teams and then you go into your winter and right winter is just about like recovering letting your body rest restore so you can then do this again and the idea of like what if we actually did business in this model mm-hmm. how much more successful happy um powerful would we be if we actually like took the model of, of sports, which is really a nature model and applied it to any layer of business. So yeah, there'd be times where we wouldn't be doing, but we, in the times that we were doing, they'd be that much more powerful because we'd be actually ready for them. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just reminds me. So this reminds me of that as in just the, the natural human cycle of a woman. Um, I also think Men have a version of this. Now, I don't think it maybe is as as clear because we don't bleed. But, you know, I noticed for most of my life, actually until I started microdosing, um, that there was a certain time of the month where from anywhere from two days to four days, I would basically go into a 
why are we doing all this? This is also mm-hmm. stupid. We're never mm-hmm. going to finish all this work anyway. It's like all kind of pointless. And I would just want to like kind of hibernate and just shut it all down. And it felt like yeah. a version of what I would say is depressed, like a depressed kind of feeling, mm-hmm. but just not like it just ended for me and I would go come out of it. And I, I can't say why when I started microdosing that just went away. It actually doesn't. I've noticed that in the months that I've done, it like doesn't exist anymore. But I, we would joke, me and my wife, and that it was like, oh, Alex, is this is his time of the month where he was just in this space. And I used to fight it. I used to be like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't feel like this, which I imagine women probably do. It's like what you were describing instead of actually embracing it. And not only that, women are given prescriptions for it too. Like, yeah. oh, here, just let's put you on the pill. You don't actually have to bleed. Yeah. Here's a big Band-Aid for a festering wound that you don't actually want to address. And I love what you're saying because it goes back to that initial analogy of the ocean and the shore. Because the moon pulls tides. Yeah. Who are we, 60% water, 66% water, who are we to ever think that we are not being impacted by the moon? And my guess is if you were to go back and actually track it, yeah. it was probably cyclic relating to either the full moon or the new moon. Um, and, you know, it's interesting in this masculine and feminine analogy, I generally have referred to it as a river and the banks. Mm. I think of like when I describe masculine energy, I really see it as the banks of a river and the feminine as the water within there. And, you know, all the ways in which that make, makes sense to me. And as you were describing the ocean and the shore, I thought, huh. I've never thought of it that way. It really does feel wild and expansive. Whereas the banks of a river, it's like there's the masculine becomes a container. Yeah. And without it, there's a flood. Mm-hmm. But when we 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 bring in this idea of the the power of big rhythmic cycles, the ocean really makes sense. Because yeah, of course that tide is impacting the shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's impacting the water. Hey, also, when I go to the ocean, which I do a lot, um, it's usually just to walk, like not even to go in, just to walk along. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I notice is if you relate to the ocean like a living being, it has moods. You go out to the ocean, you're like, oh, you're angry today or you're mm. passionate today or there's a fire in you or it's like very calm, right? It's mm-hmm. like very, it's the same ocean, right? Different times, different points. and. What's interesting is we don't relate to it as the ocean of like, oh, it's a bad ocean today, right? Or a good ocean or a better ocean. It is, no, it might be, if you're a surfer, you might want like a, maybe a more aggressive ocean, maybe, right? Um, And if you're a swimmer, you might want a calmer ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ocean in itself is, is, I want to say just an expression. It's just an expression of Mm -hmm. this earth or nature at different moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And the shore is... The shore is a different expression too, right? Because the shore does, the shore does change. It doesn't move, but it changes in relationship to the water, right? There's sometimes there's less shore, there's more shore, or I think we've all been there where you like see a beach one day and it's like flat and then you come back another time and it's somehow like, there's like a big hill and a slope. Totally. Um, And it, it- I think about when we lived in Hawaii, we were two blocks from this beach called Magic Sands. The winter time, it was all black rock. 
Mm -hmm. And the summertime, it was all white sand. Yeah. Just like, wow, so cool. And I think of jumping shrimp and seaweed that gets brought up in the kelp beds and the Oregon coast. I mean, there's so much that we could go with this analogy, but also from a hormonal standpoint, um, you know, I'm thinking of cyclic nature from hormones in women and it's, and there's big changes, you know, mm -hmm. in that springtime is predominantly estrogen and that fall time, it's predominantly progesterone. In our bleeding time, it's very little hormones all around. Our ovulatory time, it's all the hormones. Whereas for men, like if you look at just testosterone, most men will have a little surge of testosterone like every 30 to 40 minutes. Mm. So there are waves, but um, they're happening at a, at a more rapid cyclic pace. Uh. Yeah. Not so much in a 28-day cycle, more in a 24-hour cycle. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't have any conclusions with that, but it is just interesting and different. Well, I think a lot about if we took all this back like hundreds of years, mm -hmm. all these things start to make a lot of sense, right? If we're like living like in community in villages, right, much smaller communities, um, let's just say like in more indigenous um natural ways like mm -hmm. with working not only with each other but with the earth um that i can see how um like the 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 cycles of the feminine would have like been able to hold the community in a certain way and the cycle and this like even that we say like the masculine like the testosterone well as like a hunter right or like you would have needed these like little bursts of almost like mm -hmm. an animal has short bursts of energy uh, mm -hmm. But now we, our biology has not changed as fast as our technology, right? So now we're living in a world that, you know, I don't need my testosterone firing off while I'm sitting at a desk looking at you on Zoom. Um, <laughs> Unless and, you have a treadmill underneath the desk that I just can't see. Yeah. And I, it's on the other side of the desk. Oh, okay. <laughs> got it. Uh, but, and, and, and likewise, right? Like if you're a woman and you're, trying to make it in a, in a masculine driven, uh, you know, um, financial kind of driven world, yep. this impacts you, right? You don't, it doesn't, it, it, I don't have to have any time of the month where I show up and I'm impacted by like my biology to the way that, that you might be. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't have to either. I get to. Mm. What do you say more about that? Um, it actually makes me feel emotional. I actually feel really privileged. I'm, I'm a founder. I'm the breadwinner in my home. And I run a successful business. I have employees. I have lots of moving and grooming things. And I get to make myself a priority and allow my schedule um, to have ebbs and flows that mirror where I am in my menstrual cycle. And, you know, I acknowledge that as a privilege because I own my own time. I'm not in a corporate nine to five where I'm expected to work really long, hard hours. I, there are some weeks where I do work more hours than I would like because the buck stops with me at the end of the day, I own the business. But at the same time, I really feel honored to be able to, to be connected to that rhythmic nature and, and to be able to teach my daughters. I mean, my daughters are, are nine and five, but already this morning I was having a conversation with my nine-year-old about what this chapter is like for me and, and how she'll pick up on that energy. Mm. And so um, 
when I know I'm going into my spring and summertime, my follicular phase and my ovulatory time, I'm going to load my schedule with more potent things. Um, I'm going to schedule the stuff. Generally, if I'm going to do like a launch or a challenge or an online thing where, where it requires stamina and front facing and presenting and out in the world, I will do my darndest to schedule it during that time. Now, ironically, this last week, I was doing a free workshop, but I was really honest with the audience saying, I'm in my fall time. So you're going to feel my energy is going to be different. I'm going to be a little bit more contemplative. I'm going to be a little bit more vulnerable. Probably I cried a couple times sharing stories. So rather than trying to bury that and hide that and show up the same mm -hmm. in this like box of nine to five, um, I think it's where many women go astray. And we have the privilege of being able to honor that there are times in the month where our intuition is simply more strong. And it's kind of a birthright. And when we allow ourselves to hear it, there's times in the month where it's more of a whisper and there's other times of a month if we get quiet, it's a full body palpable knowing that we cannot deny. And that's special. And you build when you're, when you're planning, you're building your, like, I'm imagining you having like building your schedule and building your things with all of this in mind at the same time. And you're like, yeah. you might even be aware of it. Yep. And my clients and, and, you know, and then what's crazy is, oh gosh, for instance, this last January, I was talking to, you know, a client in all of so many different time zones and a number of different ages up through Canada and throughout the US. And there was probably eight different women that I spoke to, all of whom their, their bleeding time had come at a different time. And we all ended up bleeding at the same time. One of them had gone 11 months of not bleeding. She was about to celebrate menopause. So for those that don't know, the the way that we know that we're into menopause is once we've gone 12 months without a menstrual bleed. She'd gone 11 months. She was on to her 12th month. And that moon, this last January of 2023, was so potent. Mm. I don't know much about astrology, yeah. but I know that there was something going on because I had eight different women, including that one. All of us ended up bleeding at the same time, and it was different than what we'd expected. I don't have answers there, but it sure is cool. And by, and you know, um, for the men that love us and get to be around us and work with us, we get to, to, to like utilize these strengths that we have. And once again, the, the consistency of the shores, the consistency of the banks. Without the banks, that river's a flood. There's no water. That water's not making it to the ocean. Like we have to have both. And I, and I, feel like we have to have both within us too. So I talk about the dynamics of, of heterosexual relationships, but also all types of relationships and relationships with ourselves, right? I can't just always be in my, my feminine, my pull, my desire and intuition and circular flow. Shit's not going to get done. It feels like sometimes like it's this two sides. I don't like to, I don't, the two sides to a battery, right? Yeah. Like you need both sides. Now we call them positive and negative for yep. what, I, I don't know the science, right? Why they named them the charges of that. Mm -hmm. But 
but it's right. You can't use, you can't just plug into one side of a battery. You get nothing. And right. I think of, to me that the, the power still inside the battery, but you don't get it right. You're not able to access it. And I think of that as same thing with the, the shore or the banks. If you take the water out, there's no bang. There's no, it serves no purpose, right? It's just, it's just land. It doesn't. And act- it dries up. Yeah. And cracks. Yep. Um, I love that that analogy with the battery because I think of the law of polarity or the law of opposites. It's universal law. Mm-hmm. Universal law. There cannot be a positive without a, without a negative, an up without a down, a dark without a light. And I say there cannot be a problem without a solution. By universal law, like if we if we butt up against a rocket of desire or a problem, like. How cool we can celebrate that the fact that there is a universal law of polarity, which tells me in my world, if I, if I find a problem, there has to be a solution. I also view it as cyclical in the sense of every problem you solve, you create a new problem, mm-hmm. which, which sometimes I think we relate to, like sometimes can be hard to be with. But if you think, you know, anything that we've ever done, right? You're like, oh, we need to get further. So we create a plane or a car. Well, now we create a problem of fossil fuels or pollution or right. Right. And no matter how we solve, well, because we'll solve, I I think we will solve those problems. There'll be the the solution will create a new problem, which I also view is how the masculine and the feminine works is that one pours into the other, which allows the other one to come back around and pour. It's like an infinity. And they get to do that dance with each other. But if one of the sides breaks down, then the whole thing breaks down. Mm -hmm. Right. So when there is an individual who is existing so much in their masculine, just constant willing it to be, logic has to control over thinking, over producing. I'm sturdy. I'm sturdy. I'm linear. I'm linear. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. (laughs) Inevitably, it will break. That individual will break in some way, shape, or form. They come to me because their health fails, they're exhausted, they're no longer sleeping, they have aches and pains, they've lost their libido, they've put on extra weight, they feel exhausted all day long, they can't access joy, there's new anxiety, they look at themselves in the mirror and they say, I don't recognize who I see. Well, or on the flip side, you know, I'm just out in the field, smelling the daisies, you know? Like there also has to be the balance of a drive and, and something to accomplish and, and a linear thinking space. Like you did Mankind Project, didn't you? I have not, no. Oh, okay. My husband did it years ago and he came home with, with his pies check-in. I love it. It's P-I-E, okay. P-I-E-S-S. And I usually add an extra S, so it's three S's. And, and so when we use this and we'll check in, how are you doing physically, mm. intellectually, emotionally, sexually, and spiritually? Mm-hmm. What's, and the, once, S, what's the extra S you add? I add sensual. Okay. Meaning like, am I, am I taking care of all of my senses, my mm-hmm. hearing, my taste? my sight, my touch. And so can't, can't, we, we need all of them. 
And I think of the intellectual space in that thinking space as more of the banks, more of the shore, a little bit more masculine. And it's important yeah. to be learning and feel like we're growing intellectually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of it a lot. I mean, we can, we can, there's so many ways that we can do this. It's like a dance, right? We need all the, that if, if the two people are dancing together and there's no agreement about how we're dancing, mm-hmm. then we're not actually dancing together. Mm-hmm. Right. But if there's too much agreement about how we're dancing, are we actually dancing? Or are we right? If we're so structured, yeah, then then we're we're actually just like robots, right? We're just moving through motions. We're not actually, there's nothing being added. Um, there's no flow. You're not feeling the music. Yeah. I think, you know, and too, even when you, you say that, like the the check-in, whether it be together. I talk about this with clients all the time. Like if you're, and and maybe you can even speak to this. We spend time on our bodies. We spend time on our minds. We spend time on our health. We spend time on our jobs, but very few of us do like check, like personal Mm check-ins like that, like what you described or relationship check-ins. You know, when I told people that me and Evan were going to a couple's relationship and intimacy retreat, first, a few people were like, like weird like you just got married why are you what's wrong right like why are you doing this yeah and or what's this for right like there and and i thought that would i just kept noticing that that getting that from a few different places and not like with judgment right like just a conditioning and noticing how my thing was i i go to the gym all the time not because something's wrong right i like watch what I eat, not because something is wrong. I like, I try to work on improving my business, not because something's wrong. It's all about like having it be more or better or more serving or more the way you want it or right, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we don't often do that maybe with ourselves personally, like that pies check-in you said, or in our relationships, we just like put that energy everywhere else. And then we wonder why our relationships are messy. Yeah, totally. Totally. And you know, I think a lot of us are just busy putting the fire out that's in front of us mm-hmm. and neglect ourselves, neglect friendships, neglect our sexual relationships, our intimate relationships. And particularly in in the U.S., I think there's this quest for acquisition of things, acquisition of wealth, acquisition of status. And I get the impression that you and I both probably place a lot more value on acquisition of depth and growth and experiences. And so inevitably, like we get off on that idea of, yeah, let's dig in. And, um, you know, we were the same way, you know, we, my, my husband and I met at ecstatic dance January of 2007 we met on a Sunday, we talked on a phone on Monday, and then on Wednesday we went on our first date and he proposed that night. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> and um, yeah, and right away we were living together within the first six months. And, you know, a couple years down the road, he actually got down on one knee with a ring and we already owned a home together though. And now we have three kids and a couple homes and, and, um, we were the same from the very beginning. Like, let's start therapy. Let's dig in. We went to Peruvian shamanism couples retreat. And um, what do we value? Like at the end of our lives, do I want to, you know, pass on a, a mountain of 
TVs and fancy cars and money? Or do I want to pass along feeling like I've had impact in the world and I've had deep relationships and I've grown and, and that people remember how I made them feel, not what I said. Um, and man, you know, you guys are new into the marriage. On our side, we've got three young kids. And I'll be honest, it is it takes <laughs> consistent, deliberate effort. Um, we are well-intentioned and, and we're close. But wow, you know, and now travel soccer and travel hockey and, you know, homework and, uh, and the business. Um, it's a lot. It's a well, lot. I want to ask you about too, like the dynamic, because you, you're the primary breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And how does that impact? Like your husband is, a, I, I know him. I mean, I met him. He's a masculine guy, right? It's not, yeah. I don't relate to him as he's, it's not, he's not somebody who you'd meet and be like, oh, he's more in his feminine. He's clearly a masculine man. And you're very much in your feminine. Mm -hmm. And, but you, you're running a very successful businesses and generating like very much in a masculine world. Mm -hmm. And then how does it work in your relationship to have yeah. you know, the, we all know obviously that women can provide as well better than men, but there's often a challenge there, right? Like, especially I can say as a man and, and men that I've worked with and, and couples I've worked with like this, that there's often some subconscious stuff that shows up. Yeah. Around men and, and who they are and who they're not by based on providing or not providing enough or not accomplishing enough. How do you yeah. guys? No, definitely. So I brought him or we brought him home July of 2021 to be a stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it has not been all peaches and cream. There have been aspects that we really celebrate and are working and aspects that really we haven't figured it out yet. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, the house is cleaner than it's ever been done, that's ever been. The laundry's getting done, the dishes are done. He's getting really good at a few meals that everybody loves. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, the kids are in lots of activities. And when I'm in my fall time of my cycle, we both know preemptively, okay, I tend to get a little bit more irritable, a little bit more bitter. And feeling the pressure of all the weight of the finances on my shoulders. And if I'm going to pick a fight, that's generally what it's going to be about. You know, and then I go into, ah, who was I? Where, where was my self-worth to choose a guy that can't, can't provide? And you're right. He's, you know, he's a world championship, Ironman, bodybuilder, <laughs> uh, definitely. And strong. He can be the, the banks to push against me when, when I can be fierce. Um, and we're pulling it off. I feel like for me, he's a really safe place to fully surrender. Yeah. And I allow myself to surrender to him. There's something about his hands and his voice and his consistency um, where like all day long, I'm being asked questions and having to make decisions. And so outside of work, I just love that I get to say, I don't want to make a decision. Mm. Just own it. Whatever we're going to eat, wherever we're going to go, the kids arguing over this, that, or the other thing, just make a decision and let me be in my receivership and surrender. And 
our sex life, I think, has been a really big piece of it. Because that becomes a place where he still has the opportunity to really own it and be the banks, um, be in that um, caretaking, kind of like a space for me to feel owned, kind of, mm -hmm. and really surrender and receive. And so we're just doing it in new and creative ways. Let's talk about surrender. It's like a perfect yeah. lead in. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I think it's very it's like it's a very kind of hot word, right? And mm -hmm. that's like moment. And I don't think it's very understood, right? What I what I often see or hear is people going, I'm surrendered, I'm surrendered. And they're not at all surrendered, right? Yeah. Um, like you can't, it's one of those, and I know I I've been there too. I've been there in plant medicines where it's telling me I need to let go. And I'm like, I'm letting go, I'm letting go. And there's, I'm still gripping, right? I still have a vice grip on the control in the moment. Um, yeah. But I just want the thing to like go away or leave me alone. So I'm like saying the words. Mm -hmm. uh, and the idea, I, I picture surrender in a lot of ways. Like you're driving a car and you're just gonna let go of the wheel. And, and you're gonna see, you're just going to allow it. No, that's not great because there's other cars and whatnot. Maybe it's like you're on a on a on a stream or uh, a river and you stop paddling or you you know stop and you let the river like just take you. Um, yep. But our default says I'm going to hit a rock. You know uh, something it's going to crash into the bank. Something will happen. You can't let go. Um, how do you how do you see surrender and how do you practice it? Yeah. I love this one because I'm a midwife. Okay, so I was actually living in LA. I was in the corporate world, Fortune 50, and right out of undergrad and doing marketing. And then my best friend from high school asked me to be at her birth. And like, oh my gosh, my life changed. And it was like, this is what I'm destined to be. So I've been attending births since 2000. And I've attended hundreds of births all over the world, West Africa, Central America, Haiti, home births, hospital births, birthing center births, huts, you know, all the stuff. And for me as a midwife, I feel like um, there's a lot that I learn. When I did my vision quest, actually with your uncle, he helped facilitate it. That was the big thing that I came out of that quest with is just midwife it. Mm. And so when I say that, and when a woman is laboring, um, there is a point where her power is palpable and potent and brings life into this world. And the piece that gets her there is surrender. When a woman melts and goes to her breath and deep in a place of trust, and just full surrender, like we don't get to control this one. We don't get to will it. We don't get to degree it. Like it doesn't matter how smart you are, how many books you've read. Like at this point, our biggest thing is to trust that it's divine and surrender. And when a woman does that, it is so powerful. It is palpable in the room. And for any man who's listening to this, if you have had the privilege of seeing a woman in that powerful space, 
and then she'll roar and bring a baby into the world. Oh my God, there's nothing like it. And so many women that I've worked with me, you know, I work with a lot of ambitious women. There's a number of CEOs, founders, or they just, they're carrying a lot. They're up to big things in the world. And they'll sometimes resist. Like, what do you surrender? That seems so weak. But really, I think it's when a woman is in her most potent power. Not belly up, I give in. You're right. But really deepening into uh, our breath and our body's knowing and our trust in divinity. That life is not happening to us, it's happening for us and by us. And there's so much power in the softness and the flow of the water. Yeah. How do you practice this? Like with outside of childbirth, you know, how are you practicing when you have a, one of these, either with yourself or you're sitting with one of these powerful clients and you're talking about surrender? What does it look like in? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, it looks like a pause. It looks like breath grounding. Um, being able to really trust and receive. I think that a lot of people, and particularly women, um, the idea of receiving, there's old conditioning and, and pain around there. It's not safe. Um, but to actually relinquish the control of having to do it all and carry it all on our own shoulders. Um, and surrender to knowing that we are actually held and the support that we're looking for is there, often right in front of our faces. We're just often not willing to receive it. Mm. Um, I think it's surrendering to our rhythmic nature and stop trying to force a, a round ball into a square hole. Mm -hmm. Um Allowing for downtime, like um, Alison Armstrong, I, I think you and I both listen to Alison Armstrong, and she talks about puttering, for, for, uh, particularly for a woman to be able to just have spaciousness, to be able to just putter, like take the time constraints away, take away the to-do list, and just go, what, is, what feels good right now? And I imagine, I say women... That this is for men and women. We all have, quote unquote, masculine, feminine. We're all served by being able to, to be in the balance of both. You know, maybe a little bit more on one end than the other. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Will you speak to like, um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Because I'm, I'm picturing like these, all these words. I think this is the thing where people get caught up, right? Like all these yeah. words make sense and are great words yeah but what is it what does it look like in the practical sense like when you're you know you're this let's just take like imaginary high-powered ceo running a company yep and we're talking about surrender mm -hmm. um and they're sitting in a meeting right and like what does surrender look like or um yeah you know, there's a launch of some kind that's not going 
the way it was supposed to. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so let's picture the the individual sitting in the board meeting. And, you know, I imagine business suits and very staunch and pencil tapping on the table and um, PowerPoint and ties. In that scenario, most everyone is butt clenching. Like literally, everyone stop clenching your fucking anus. <laughs> so relax. Allow your feet to touch the ground. The, the you know, the the conference room carpet or whatever it is. Um, take a sip of water and actually feel the water go down your throat and take a pause to feel grateful um, for that woman if she is in her fall time or her winter time and she's still showing up in the corporate office, she's going to wear more comfortable clothing. She's going to wear something that feels soft and nurturing and luxurious against her skin. For that same woman, um, she's going to bring, so I'm going kind of back to this idea of honoring our rhythms. It's, it's like, I'm just thinking daily routines, weekly routines to be able to give ourselves the cues of, oh yeah, here I am in this body, a spiritual being living a physical existence. Um, how does my body feel right now? Can I smell something that feels spectacular? Can I look at something through eyes of gratitude? Can I notice that I'm in my ovulatory week and I've got my cute thong undies and that cute bra and lip glasses on? Um, and that is all um, moments of us honoring um, our physical experience and taking the pause to go, okay, I'm not doing this nine to five, same, same, same and surrendering to something that is bigger than me. Um, if your bladder's full, go empty it. That's a great, that is such a, it's, you know, I had a, in, in one of my last plant medicine experiences, I had this, the medicine said to me, um, part of control is how you hold things in your body. And it shared, it was like, have you, and it basically it showed me, it was like when you're sitting at your desk working on something and you feel like you have to go to the bathroom, what's your automatic? Is I like want to finish what I'm doing? It's that, 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 that bodily response can wait till I'm done. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I noticed I've, I like had this, uh, that, that could who knows how long that could go on for, but it's like, I, unless, unless it's like an emergency, no, I'm going to like hold, I'm going to tighten up and hold that back so I can finish what I'm doing as if there's like not enough time or as if I got up, right? Like, but it's a sense of, it's a control thing. And um, I was sharing this with a few men, this idea, and they all looked at me like, like as if for the first time they thought, they, they were thought they were the only ones that did this. Mm -hmm. And it was like a collective group of men who were like, oh my God, I'm constantly holding in, you know, number one or number two, because I want to finish what I'm doing or I'm up to something. And that feels more important. And it, even to the extent of, um, it was like, you don't even blow your nose. You'll like, you'll like just suck it kind of, you'll just like sniffle. 
Yeah. And then move on because it's like too much time to go get a tissue and like do that. Or that it's like, you know, it's like gross to hear somebody blow their nose. Um, well, the, the big thing that I hear from you is hold it in. Yeah. Yeah. How many of us that are, are kind of in our, um, our, I want to say immature masculine or unrefined masculine, where we're just trying to hold it all together, grip the steering mm -hmm. wheel, hold it all in versus being able to actually express emotion, feelings, desires. And messiness, like all that stuff messiness. is messy, right? Like in a, in a very like human sense, it's all, all that's messy stuff. Right. To blow your nose and sneeze and pass gas and go poop. I mean, how many women won't go poop in a public place? I mean, they're men too, right? Like it's, it's, but all this, these, yeah, I love the, the control, but there was even more. It was like, how do you expect your body to feel the way you want it to when you're not letting your body get rid of the things it wants to get rid of? Right. Um, all for the I, sake of accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. To do a little bit more. Right. Just um, finish the job versus actually listen into what my body is saying. I want to believe that there can be a balance because then we also know that, you know, when from a logical perspective, if you're in the midst of getting a project done, anytime we transition, there's what, like 20 minutes to refocus. So there's that piece. Mm. But at the same time, like, where are we holding it in? Mm. Where are we not letting ourselves to be fully expressed? Because we're so tightly trying to be the banks or trying to be the shore. Yeah, I like how you said too that it's like an immature masculine. Yeah, or like disempowered masculine. Yeah. No, I think of it like that. I like I, I like that. I it's like an adolescent masculine that that actually hasn't found its footing yet. And yeah. it's it's not a I I like really dislike the term like toxic masculine mm -hmm. because it there doesn't it's like an energy, it's not a there's no toxic energy. It's just it's it's an energy that might not be serving. The behavior might not be serving, mm -hmm. but to me, it's it's actually what we relate to it. It's it's untrained, it's unfocused, it's it's traumatized. It doesn't actually like you wouldn't say you know if 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 there was a little child and that was like violently abused and then it grew up and it wasn't the best human, and, and we knew its origin, we wouldn't be like this toxic person. We we would look at it would be like this horribly traumatized person that is now expressing their life through their traumas right instead of who they really are and um we really like in our world to to blame things and make things wrong it's easier to say oh that person's toxic or that behavior is toxic than like oh it's it's fear they're scared or they're wounded or they're unhealed or they actually don't know how to wield the power that they have right. you know it's it's in a lot of ways right we don't give we don't give children knives because they would hurt themselves or someone else. Yeah. But unfortunately in our world, no one, no one, there's no checkpoints for becoming an adult. So it's like, we're all running around with knives and some of us don't know how to, don't actually know how to wield them. Right. And so then, then it goes, it goes back to your kind of desire to, to go to couples retreats and be in the place of self-reflection and have the depth so that rather than being in that immature masculine or immature feminine, 
we are rising up into an empowered or mature version. Yeah. Well, and, and, and to this here, this is a good kind of transition or a good moment to share this. Mm -hmm. It even speaks to the ways where we've been conditioned out of the things that we naturally are. So if we come back to look at like masculine, the men were the hunters, right? Mm -hmm. And to be a hunter, what do you need to be like? Very focused, very patient and methodical Mm -hmm. and calm and collected. And then the ability to like explode either with a spear or however you would have done it, right? We're going way back prior to having guns and making it like a lot easier for ourselves. And walk long distances and mm-hmm. not talk very much. Yeah. Yeah. Hold all and not have, be emotional, right? Have that. And, um, and now if you look at our world, there's very few things in our world that require any of that. Our attention is like, bing, 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 bing. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. Come get this, do this, 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 this. right? It's, and I noticed that um, that ability to kind of like hone in and focus, I can get it once in a while, right? I'm really working on something that excites me that I'm passionate about and I can really tap in. But most of the time, I'm, my attention is all over the place. And one of the things that we, that we got to experience was um, our feminine wants to be seen and heard and felt. Yeah. And if you're not present, as a man, the feminine can't be seen, heard, uh, heard and felt, right? If I'm sitting with you and you're trying to connect with me and I'm like looking all over the place and not with you, yeah, it doesn't feel good. And, um, and I look at how like as a man or even, and this could apply to anyone, as a woman in their masculine, as someone who doesn't identify as a gender, you still have your masculine energy to be able to focus and put your attention on something that when we're able to do that, we're able to connect deeply. Mm-hmm. And if we're not able to do that, it makes it a lot harder. And also the person that we're trying to connect with can't feel us. I don't know. I'm sure I, I'm sure you hear this a lot. Women talking about, I can't feel him like yeah. in terms of their partner and men don't understand. They're like, I'm right here. It's like, well, pre- you're physically right here, but your, 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 your presence is, is everywhere. Well, and, the, and not only I can't feel him, but then in that scenario, those same women say, I feel hunted. So now they don't feel him and then he desires to have sex and she feels hunted Mm. because she doesn't feel held. She doesn't feel heard and seen. She doesn't necessarily feel safe. Mm. And so now she literally feels hunted. And then they come to me because they say, I don't have a libido. Yeah. Yeah. This is so good. I mean, I, um, I, I've actually thought a good amount around this idea of like, immature and mature masculine and feminine. And, and, um, you know, I think of when, when we're in that immature or, or disempowered masculine, we're often abusing power, controlling, arrogant, defensive. Um, I'll do it. I got it. Uh, Like self-reliant. I don't need any help walls up. Whereas that, like really mature, available masculine is yes, I'll finish the job, but also I offer protection and direction and stability and certainty. And service. And, and service, yeah. And when when we can be at the same time in a mature feminine where it's deeply nurturing and in touch with our intuition, and pleasure and surrender and sensitive 
and vulnerable and creative, those two together, man, it's like such a perfect polarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you would love this. We, uh, we, they did, they had us do an exercise at this retreat where they had the couples with each other, try to sync up to each other. So breathing, you know, but the, the woman's eyes were closed. Uh, the man's eyes were open, all his attention on her mm-hmm. and you're sinking to each other's like rhythms and breath. And then the idea without like going to the whole exercise was, could the woman open her eyes when the man broke his attention, when he took his attention off her without any touch, no touch. So nothing but her into her feeling mm-hmm. his attention. And um, almost every woman in the room got it exactly when their when their man broke attention. Wow. So like the man would like look away and the woman would like the idea was that when when as a man when your attention was broke, look away. So as a man you had to recognize like I I'm lost that I look away. Or they just chose. They could actually just choose, I'm gonna take my attention away. It had yeah. it could be either one. For me it was like I noticed my attention go away and I would see their eyes open. Um for a lot of guys it was like they picked a moment and then they turned it away and that would happen. There were even moments where the men talked about like, oh, I was like debating whether I should turn my attention away, right? Now their attention's away. And the women were like, I felt like he, it was here, but then it wasn't. Like they were feeling that. Yeah. But even to the extent, this was the kind of highlight was at one point they asked us to switch and do this exercise with someone who wasn't our partner. And uh, a woman came over to sit down with me. And as she's sitting down, she pauses and she looks at me and she's like, is it almost like she was unsure if it was okay if she sat down with me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And so she sits down and as she sits down, she can, I can see how uncomfortable she is as she sits in front of me. Mm-hmm. And she goes, are you sure? Is this, is this, should I not? Like she has having this moment of like, I'm not like welcome here. Mm-hmm. And I said, I was like, I'm really sorry. I'm, this exercise is really frustrating to me. I have like so much, I, my attention is so trained to be like bing, 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 like everywhere all at once instead of honed mm-hmm. that I'm struggling to even keep the attention for as long as like in the moment that you could even have something to grab onto. And, um, and what, and I was like, and I, and what she was picking up on was my like chaos, the chaos inside of me at that moment, the frustration, mm-hmm. that chaos, which had her sit down and feel uncomfortable and unwanted, right? Which isn't how I felt about her. She was fine. She was like, I was happy that, you know, but it was like my internal chaos and frustration she picked up on. And as we often do, we like turn it inward, right? We look at ourselves like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. Should I not be here? And I thought I just was so taken back by first of all, that intuition that she sensed something was off, but yeah. that she made it about her, right? Or like whatnot. And, um, and how often that happens in life in our, in our relationships. And what are you, what are you doing now to cultivate more stability and focus and, and presence for yourself? Um, I mean, this is a big, this is a, uh, one of the areas I want to say that I'm like the most trying to figure out mm-hmm. because there's a part of me that loves my attention bouncing all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love having 20 projects at one time and working on a bunch of things and feeling into what's exciting in the moment that, that there's something that, that I love about that. 
And there's this piece that at times it's not serving, right? At times when I need to focus on something, I am not able to. In relationship, it's not always serving. Um, something that I've been doing for a, a while now is, I mean, I meditate on a regular basis, but I, I change up the way I meditate. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not like the same way every time. So it has me kind of use my attention differently. And that also has me just slow down. Mm -hmm. um, I've been trying to put myself out in nature more where I'm like not with headphones in or talking to somebody. Right. Just kind of like, can I just be on this walk and like. Um, Quiet down the noise. Because that goes back to the earlier analogy of the, the boardroom. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we in today's world where we're being bombarded by social media and news and all of the things and it's so fast. Yeah. Like everything is happening so fast. How do we practice presence and grounding in snippets so that we can do it when we're in meditation yeah. or practicing Shinrin Yoku, forest bathing out in nature, but also in moments where we just take that pause. Like right now I to take a pause and look outside and see the way that the leaves are responding to the wind and the beautiful flowers that are blossoming and the aromatherapy that's on my wrist and the feeling of the chair on my butt as I'm not anus clenching. <laughs> you know, just those moments to go, okay, how do I be here? Yeah. There's even, I, you know, one of the things I've done is I've taken a lot of things off my phone. Mm -hmm. Like I've deleted a lot of apps mm -hmm. um, and not just the obvious like social media ones. And, and to do social media on my phone, I have to go to the app store and re-download the app mm -hmm. and I'll use it for like a moment and then I delete it again. Wow. And it's super inconvenient. It's not fun. Um, it has me not use it as much. But what I notice is even things that I want to do, I'm more present. So if I'm like, I want to watch this movie, Right. I want to watch a movie. That's like what I'm choosing to do in the past. I would have been like on my phone. I'm like, and not even just like random. It's like, I see an actor and I'm like, Oh, I wonder what else they've been in. And I'm like looking it up. Right. I'm now not watching the movie. I'm like looking up. Right. And so deleting things off my phone. And another thing I've done is I've been trying to leave. I work from home, podcast from home, everything from home is, uh, I leave my phone. I've been trying to leave my phone either either in my office or like in the bath, in like our bedroom bathroom. Right. So it's not in the space that I'm necessarily in unless I, I'm needing it. So it's in my office with me when I'm working, but then when I go up and I'm spending time with my wife, right? Like maybe the phone is in the, in the bathroom upstairs or in the office downstairs. Well, and I think the piece that I hear there, yes, absolutely. Sometimes I'll even lock my phone, not lock it, but put it in a drawer in the kitchen and close the drawers because yeah. I'm addicted too. Man, that yeah. talk about a dopamine hit. This thing is so dang addictive. But the big piece that I heard you say is to go upstairs and spend time with your wife. Yeah. And that's, for me, I think that's the piece is to connect with other human beings and also nature. Um, becoming a parent. And having children in the home, man, it is such an amazing practice of presence because they change so much and they're growing up so fast. And I just go, I can't. Like if 98% if of the time I'm going to spend with them 
is up until age 18, I'm so aware of how quickly it's going by. My oldest is 10. Yeah. I'm more than halfway there. And so when I remind myself of that, I go, uh-uh, like there's a practice of presence. Let me sit down. They're still young enough or they'll sit on my lap and let me read them a book. Like to, to cherish that and, or, you know, I think about people that have pets to be able to like totally engage with your dog or in your re deep, intimate relationships to just dog take a pause and say, hi, like, how are you? Let me feel you. That's so funny. The dog is the easiest. It's the easiest place. I can, I, yeah, she's not here right now. Often she's like in a dog bed behind, like right behind my desk. And I will lie on the floor and like cuddle her. Yeah. And I can stay down there for, it's one of the few places that I can like fully be fully present without like, I need to go do something. Yep. Um, and I think it's like also that I'm tapping into her energy like as an animal she's like fully present there's nowhere else for her to be right she's fully just right there and if i like can tap into that i can like anchor myself into it for a minute yep um it's also oxytocin mm -hmm. so oxytocin as a hormone is the hormone of ecstasy it's the hormone of orgasm it's the hormone of love it's the hormone of connection yeah and the way in which we build our oxytocin oxytocin levels is being pregnant, giving birth, and breastfeeding. But outside of that, hugs. Yeah. Like chest to chest hugs, human touch, feeling heard and seen. Not like, oh, they saw my social media post and liked it. Yeah. But actual connection with, hi, you're a human being. I'm a human being. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. I want to feel heard and seen. You want to feel heard and seen. How are you doing? That. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't even, and you don't get it the same either, even from this, right? Even from looking at, it doesn't exist at all the same, which is why we have like the Zoom kind of burnout. You don't, you, it's rare that we're sitting with people that we know and love and we're like, I'm burned out of this human. Now, sometimes with family, we, we have that, right? But like with our friends, often that doesn't, isn't the case, but we have this like Zoom fatigue. We have yeah. this technology fatigue because we're getting... We're getting all the things, but that, but that piece, we're not getting the oxytocin. So we're like working ourselves without getting the replenishment almost. Yeah. Yeah. And there is value here. Like, I feel like, okay. And having this conversation, whomever is listening to this, we're having a ripple effect. Hopefully we're touching someone's life mm -hmm. like that. I maybe is probably more dopamine, but it's some oxytocin. Sure. Yeah. And so we, and we, it's a little bit of serotonin. Like there's, I feel, I feel proud. I feel happy. And, and it's my chance to get to know you, Alex, a little bit better and feel more connected to you and not just see you as the good looking author that showed up. My sister had a crush on, <laughs> but you know, to, to, to connect as humans, there is some of that on zoom, but by no means is it enough. And by like, hell no, when it comes to phones and social media, talk about the invention of an airplane, then creating fossil fuels. I go that the invention of Wi-Fi and phones has made our lives a lot easier, but man, it's offered some com complications. Yeah. I, I just had this, this is, I just had this debate with my dad, like that 
we were when we were in kind of tribes in a lot of ways life was actually worked the way that it that it did right like um that you know na the the native peoples of america were not like we need more right they weren't looking for how to grow cities and societies they were they were they were living they were having an experience yeah. of life and um someone somewhere said i want more than what i have which kicked off like expansion and 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 looking for and not just like hey i want to see what the rest of the world looks like but i'm going to go see what the world looks like and i'm going to make it mine right and i'm just going to go explore and then leave it to the people um and and my dad you know was was kind of taking the stance i'm like yeah but look at all the good things we've created and it was like sure I'm not saying that those things, some of those aren't miraculous, but like we created a lot of those things because we created the problems that had us need those things, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, yeah. and not, not exclusively, right? Like uh, the ability to like go see the world, like some of our, we never could have seen the whole world on foot. It just like wouldn't have happened. Um, but did we need to? It's like another, like, would you know, would you have known what, would you, you wouldn't have known what you didn't know? Um, the I think we need imagination. I think we need dreaming. But it also goes back, you know, you said I, what I heard you say was, OK, I, you know, I mentioned every problem has a solution. And then you reminded me that every solution has a problem. So, sure, we need imagination. I think we need dreaming. Yes, I think. Um, I, I, you know, I love adventure. I'm so grateful for the life that I've been able to create for my children and, you know, to surprise them and fly them down for a weekend at Disney. Like that might be totally insane to have a $10,000 weekend. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Hopefully it's okay to cuss in this space, but yeah, you're fine. Um, like that's a life experience that I, that I gifted them. Yeah. And they now dream, dream completely different. Do those dreams come with other problems? Yes. Do I want to take that away? Not right now. I don't know. Yeah. Ask me again in five years. Yeah. Yeah. Neither. I mean, there's no, neither one is, it is that cycle, right? It's like, yeah, you get to, with every problem, you might say a solution or there's a possibility. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you take away the problems, you also take away the possibilities, right? If we had nothing yeah. to do, if everything was done or we had nothing to do, I mean, it wouldn't be that there'd be, there'd be nothing to do. We'd be we'd probably be very unhappy. Um, we would, you know, I think about law of attraction. We would just be attracting more of what we already had. It's sure, I guess it would be pretty simple. But for me, it would feel kind of boring and mundane. Like, I That's like I mean. dreaming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you have this experience. I used to always think I just want to be on vacation. And then I realized, well, okay, depending on what kind of vacation, because I can lay by a pool and do nothing for a handful of days. And then I start to actually feel depressed. But if I go on a vacation where we're exploring and we're hiking and we're touring and we're seeing, well, that's a whole lot of doing stuff. That's a whole lot of adventure. And that that creates aliveness. But the doing of nothing actually often creates stagnant, depression, static. Um, well, let me let's wrap this up because I feel like I could, we could go on and on and we could keep tying <laughs> yeah. this together. What is there anything you want to say or final word that you want to share about, you know, what you do, what you've learned, anything? No, um, I help ambitious people feel spectacular. And I'm a healthcare provider by training. You know, Alex, I think of you, you are 
trained and trained by some of the best as a coach. I don't have formal training as a coach. I'm often put in that bucket. Um, and I have a team of you know, a multidisciplinary team with a sexologist and a mindset coach and a functional nutritionist and a trauma release specialist. And we just get to get in there and, and help people feel spectacular. Um, and if you're listening to this, then obviously you must be cool because Alex is cool and his podcast is cool. And you've had the patience to sit here and listen for what? I don't know. Over an hour, hour. 15 minutes. <laughs> So thank you for sharing your time with us. And I'm super approachable. You can find me in all the spaces. Just reach out. Tell them where to, where should they reach out? Where do they find you? Yeah. So on Facebook, it's Mariah Brown. On Instagram, it's Mariah Brown. Mariah is M-A-R-A-Y-A. Mariah. MariahBrown.com. YouTube is Mariah Brown. And obviously in the, in the podcasting world, because you're listening to this, you might want to check out the Women's Vibrancy Code, which is my podcast. And Alex is actually, I'm interviewing him, I think it's next month. So um, you'll be able to listen to more of this conversation over in the Women's Vibrancy Code podcast as well. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, Appreciate of course. You. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, thanks for expanding this conversation into the feminine, um, for presenting like new ways to look at the masculine. It's really cool to see what you and your husband are creating. It's also, we didn't even talk about this, but just like how far you've come, you know, you, it wasn't, this wasn't a, I'm thriving, 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 and more thriving, thriving, thriving. There's, you've had your, you've had plenty of setbacks and heartbreaks and places that you didn't think you were. We didn't even get into that. Um, but it's really cool to watch you flourish and thrive and shine. Um, yeah. Well, and I'm grateful to your family. Mm. You know, when I think about Chris and Nikki specifically, um, they played a significant role. Yeah, for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we so, both. Thank you for sharing your family with us too. They're yeah. like family to us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for saying that. Mm -hmm. Everyone listening, thank you for being here. Thank you for your attention and your time. As I usually say, please share this episode with somebody that they can make a difference for. Um, and we'll see you next time. Take care. All right. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.